Hello, and welcome to Leadership, the Future, and Tea, a podcast hosted by Andy Davis, featuring Ian Moffat, Deborah Hartung, and Hitten Bat. A podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome, everybody, to Leadership, the Future, and Tea. Uh, it's Andy Davis, and today I'm joined by Hitten and Deborah. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Oh, very good. Hey, Hi, Andy. Yeah, there you go. Wonderful to speak to you all again. Uh, we're looking forward uh, to having another chat today. And um, today we want to talk about international uh, leadership and that's leading a, uh, teams across borders with multinational companies. And this actually is a growing trend, okay? Because now even the smallest of companies can have a representation in more than one company, sorry, in more than one country. Um, that, that is, I'm not gonna say it's the norm, but it's becoming a lot easier to do than it was years ago. Uh, Deborah and Hiten, you'll probably you know, recognise that from probably when we were we were teenagers, that actually those companies that had multiple different organisations and companies around the world, they were kind of the big oil giants, right? There was that kind of firm that you were talking about. Um, whereas now, actually, it's very easy to have a company in three, four different com- uh, countries, and dependent on which region you're in, it's actually even easier still. So, out where I work, out in APAC. Uh, you know, the fact that you've got a company in Singapore probably already means that you've got an office in Malaysia straight away mm. right, without even trying. Mm. So uh, th- this is becoming more and more uh, the norm and also something that we need to uh, we need to talk about because actually it requires uh, a slightly different uh, approach to leadership. Do, do you think that this is this is right, guys, before I even start the, the, the debate off? Absolutely. I think I think this is this is so exciting. And I think recent changes i mean there was a there was a momentum uh, that was growing before the pandemic yeah. uh, to you know towards um, you know people working uh, uh, internationally and, and and using technology but now what the pandemic has done it's 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 made the uh, i think it's 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 sort of forced us to um, use technology use our ways of connecting with people yeah. Um, and I think that's the exciting thing. So when we're talking about working internationally or having an international yeah. presence, it's from the comfort of your own home, Andy. That's yeah. the thing about it. But yeah. now, you know, the, 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 the traditional model was, well, you know, let's go and set up an office somewhere or let's go and travel and have a business meeting out there. But now, all from the comfort of your own home, uh, potentially, you can be having meetings in Singapore and, uh, and yeah. Sydney. And, and and where else and wherever you want and on the podcast we have our very own example of international working yes. uh, deborah you're sat yes, down you in do. uh, south africa in, you get in, to work. in johannesburg yes yeah, yeah you, you get to work all over though don't you i do i do um i'm very very fortunate um exactly like your 10 says you know i don't have to hop a plane anymore to yeah. um you know to get to to work with folks in the uk or the us or Canada or Australia, I, I get to stay at home. Um, yeah. And I think exactly what Hiten has said, I think the, the global pandemic has actually accelerated this. It was happening, but in my experience, it was happening only in the big corporates, the big traditional multinationals yeah. Yeah. were using, you know, were using WebEx and they were using those tools. But it was like an expensive enterprise grade mm. software that you had to invest in to be able to do that. And now... There's free tools yeah, that absolutely. you know that that you can you can do this with. So it's yeah. very very exciting. 
Well, there you go. So we seem to have the right people on the call. So uh, I tell you what, let's um, let's continue the web the, the podcast in that case and uh, see where we get to. Um, Hiten, I'm going to start you off with them with the first question, which is: What are the people challenges when leading an international team? Enlighten us. Well, 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 well I think there's people challenges all the time. No matter what you're doing, there's people challenges within just a unit of your own family. Let's start there, right? Yeah. Then, then if you were to extend that to, okay, well, 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 okay, you know, they've got different personalities, even within, even within a family, and that's people that that belong to the same tribe, if you like. Okay. Mm. Then, then you've got challenges of people, you know, even, even let's say, you know, you work in the same country, you, you know, you, you're all part of the same background, and 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 it's not an international, it's not an international business in any way, and there's not a team, you know, you know, overseas, even within a team. Uh, you know, we the, 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 there are so many challenges in terms of in terms of people. Now, when you're thinking about putting that, you know, you know, doing business globally in terms of an international team, I think there's so many different things that can potentially um, uh, come up in, in 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 ways in ways of working. There's communication barriers. Uh, there's there's a potential for misunderstanding. There's personality conflicts. There's how do you lead them? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's there's how does how do these international teams actually work together as a uh, you know in terms of in terms of effective teamwork? So um, and you add so, so that that's with that's with anything. But I think the extra dimension with with um, international teams is is obviously the cultural dimensions. Yeah. Uh, understanding the culture, you know, understanding the the, the, the way in which they function. So there's many, many challenges that come uh, with them. Um, we're working across across borders, but what, but at the same time, it's exciting. It, it is exciting. I, I always find it exciting. Hit ten. I think it's one of the greatest things that you can do in business, actually. Um, and for for me, the one of the greatest challenges I've I've seen, I've gone through, I've got the scars to prove it, is about uh, the different policies that you have for different countries that you're working in. And what often businesses worry about is what happens if somebody from country A sees the policy for somebody from country B mm. and realises there's a difference between the two, either for better or for worse. Mm. And, and that's the kind of challenge that I think that uh, leaders need to think about because where it starts with the home country and then this company grows out, okay, the the original policies that you have back in your home country and i pick on policies because it's a really easy one those those company policies aren't the same for all the countries no they can't be right no there's there's too many differences with localization and culture that you need to to change and i think that that leaders often fail to realize quickly enough when they are in an expansion mode where they're trying to um kind of beat the alligator from the boat you know as they're going through the normal week yeah. that that taking the time to actually sit and think what is it that i need to actually make the people side of this really work and mm. the first thing that they should actually put the time and effort into is is policies what do you think yeah absolutely and who's got the right policy who's yeah. got who's who, who who sort of says this is the way it should be done yeah who's yeah. right and who's wrong yeah, and, and there is chicken and egg, okay, because at the point of expansion, at the point of actually landing in a new country and saying, right, okay, we've now got an office here, um, how, how do you get to know, how do you 
get to know the research and the right answers. And we're probably going to come on to this as we, we discuss the other parts in this. Deborah, um, I'd love to, to hear your views on that. Uh, and as I say, I've just picked policies, a very small example of people challenges. But what do you think? I think you're 100% right. And I mean, I've worked on teams, on, on those very expansion teams where um, something, you know, as simple seeming, and, and this isn't even going, you know, that far. This is staying on the African continent and mm. saying, okay, we want to expand in Africa. And who are we going to choose? And I mean, in Africa, there's so many different, and this is global, the, yes. the legislative requirements um, in terms of, um, you know, people costs, labor, you know, is, is there prescribed minimum benefits? Correct. Um, yep. Is it paid maternity leave? Is it not? Yep. You know, just the days, the paid time off that we give people and mm. sick leave and, you know, expanding into the Middle East um, and and the, the, the severance pay and, and all of those things, it's different everywhere. And yeah. I've honestly worked on teams where, as you say, you know, you, you, you can't be beating the alligator away from the boat. You need to, you need to know this stuff before you go into Correct. the country. And what I've found that leaders have done is actually done all of this research up front and worked with consultants and um, attorneys mm. in countries that they have contemplated expanding into. And of course, depending on the on the business that they're in, you know, they've also looked at things like manufacturing costs, labor costs, yep. import, export, um, you know, yep. looking at your infrastructure in terms of roads. And and I've honestly I've been part of teams where we've been like, oh, you know, let's go open an office in country X. And then when we because it looks really cool, um, you know, or, or we're selling a lot of products there. But then when we really get into it, it's like, oh, no way. It's no, 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 no. This is, you know, we're going to have to open in country Y next door yeah. because of the following exactly. um, factors. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I do think that being said, again, with people working from home now, um, there's a couple of things that we can that we can work around. You know, you can have a presence in a country. Um, without necessarily having to go into all of these things. But I think my advice would definitely be from a leadership perspective is, is do your homework beforehand. Like, don't mm -hmm. just decide we're opening an office in X and here we all hop on a plane and we go. You know, that's yeah. not that easy. Uh, and I want to mention something then that, that probably goes unsaid. Can we talk about paying bribes? Okay. Well, I mean, we can <laughs> because because I'm, you know, there is a re there is a reality here that mm. in some countries that actually paying some money as a to a facilitator, let's call people that, okay, to a facilitator to make things happen, to make mm. things easier, be it um, an export mm. license and things like that, that happens, mm. right? Let's not shy away from that. Mm. Uh, that happens for little businesses and big businesses alike, and not saying it's right we're not going to go down the ethics on this one we've done a great podcast on that one people can listen to that um but can we just acknowledge that are we brave enough to do that yeah yeah i, I think yeah go, go on, on hitten go on no i was just going to say is it i was going to just ask that question and we don't have to we don't have to we don't have to obviously go into the ethics of it as you say andy but when in rome yeah is it right um yeah and again that's a that's a very big question because now and, and all of us being on this podcast i mean we all yes there's the ethical side of things but we've we've done the ethics podcast and we've done the culture one and we we know the impact you know so if it's out of alignment with our core values as a company 
Mm. that we we abide, for instance, by, I mean, the, the Americans have got the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which um, which is a great thing to adopt in your organization, you know, the minute you start expanding. Yeah. Um, and, and to say it, it's outside of our values to do this. Um, and, and if this is a requirement of doing business in country X, mm. then, you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, do that little cost-benefit analysis. Is yeah, it absolutely. worth, and what are we sacrificing? Because if we say we will not pay bribes, and whether it's bribes or gifts or Third some charges. kind of graft, <laughs> anything, you know, yeah. um, if we say we're not doing it, um, we need to be clear on that, and yeah. we don't ever do it, because the minute we do it the first time, like he 10 says now, you know, when in Rome, um, yeah. and then it starts becoming, you know, a systemic problem, and the next thing... You know, our company is super dodgy and this is just how we do things. We we grease palms and we grease wheels yeah. everywhere we go. Um, but let, let's, let, I'm going to draw a line to that one there because I think it's something that we we, we honestly could talk about. And um, yeah, I, I'm going to say that it happens, right? Mm -hmm. It happens in business. And what I'm trying to draw out here is that, uh, as, as you both rightly talked about, that piece of research that people need to do before they land in the country to expand and understand it. It's part of your research, okay? If you don't understand if that is a norm for business in that country, then quite frankly, you fail before you get there. Mm -hmm. So uh, please go and figure that out because that is a really important thing that will catch people out. And Deborah, what you said there, which I thought was super, which was you've got to decide, is that gonna be part of our business? Is that gonna be something that we do we either do it or we don't, and we stick to our guns. Yeah. Yeah. We have to. Great. I like that. So, Deborah, keep going then for me on the next one. So, does a leader need a, <laughs> a different approach then for communications with international team? You know, it it would be so great if we could say no. It would be so great <laughs> if we could say we're we're one human race and. But unfortunately, the answer is yes. And Hiten has already touched on it. And my experience working as part of international teams and also mm. leading international teams where I've got people in my team who are sitting in, you know, the US, in, in Europe, in other countries in Africa, my experience has definitely been yes. And, and what I've learned in terms of um, communicating differently with international mm. teams is the first rule of thumb is communicate more. Um, yeah. You know, what, yeah. whatever you think is enough is not enough. You need to like mm. triple that, communicate yeah. more. Um, communicate, you know, employ different channels. So yeah. some will read their emails, some are, are happier on WhatsApp, some, some you need to speak to on Slack. So you've got to make sure that you're, yeah. you know, using all the channels. <laughs> And then from a commerce perspective and a leadership perspective, what I find is there's a couple of additional dimensions that we need to consider, um, especially when you start talking about collaboration and creating a cohesive unit. Um, yeah. When and, and this isn't just distributed workforce, you know, there's, there's distributed workforce and it's challenging enough managing your team, Andy, you know, in, just in the UK, you know, that's already a challenge. I don't know. They're, um, they're great. They're great adding... people, it's not that much of a no, challenge. No, I'm not saying your, <laughs> team, your, your, your team is a challenge, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, it's it's when you start adding other countries, like Yuten said, it's not just the language barrier; it's the culture barrier as well. There's a lot of things that we don't know about mm. just how things work, and 
yeah. and how to speak to people. And, and I find those dimensions, you know, number one, the time zone thing. So what mm. I've learned is if we're working across many time zones and mm. we have standing meetings, whether it's weekly or monthly, we can have a standing meeting, but not, not a standing meeting time. Because invariably what happens is for you in China, Andy, it's, you know, the middle of the night yeah, that you've now got to dial into my call, you know. So, yeah. so you've almost got to kind of work on a roster and say, you know, someone is going to be inconvenienced by this. It's going to be super early or super mm. late for them. And let's take turns being inconvenienced Correct. and yeah. and communicate that to your team. You know, um, and then the the culture thing, the language barrier, the um, just just those things are actually a big thing. Um, if you've got to take ten minutes, especially in Africa, I find, if you've got to take ten minutes before your your usual call to catch up with me and find mm -hmm. out how my family is doing, that's a norm here. Yeah, it's considered rude to not do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so. So we can't come with, I, I want to say our Western ways, um, as much mm. as I've, I, I'm yeah. born and raised in Africa, but, you know, we have a meeting and we start and, and, we, and we finish. You know, yeah. you've got to understand that, that there's, th there's a couple of differences. So yeah. definitely the way that we communicate and what I find in international teams, especially, and this is good advice for anyone, is just do a lot more of the why work. Mm. Um, you know, that's, Just that's tell people thing. why, um, because a lot of that gets lost in translation. A lot of what we do as leaders and managers is we focus on what needs to be done and and we guide our people on how, you know, yeah, um, like because that. we're chasing deadlines, we're chasing money. But just tell people why constantly. Like if you're going to introduce a roster, you know, tell people why the time of our monthly meeting keeps on changing. Yeah. It's to accommodate everyone, you know, it's, it, it helps. I, I understand so, that. So, Hit, can I just so, bring in Hitten? Um, yes, and, and please say, do. Yeah, Hitten. I'm waiting for a quote from Hitten. Like, where's, where's our quote, is it? <laughs> it's on its way, it's on its way. Hitten, oh, yeah, sure. um, just tell us a little bit about your work out in the Middle East. Um, what, have you adopted any different approaches to your communications out there, how you've been working with people, or have you helped leaders out there to look at their communication style? Sure. I think I think I just I just before I answer that, Andy, I just wanted to touch on um, uh, something Deborah mentioned. I Please think it's really, really, really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's the way in which people work, right? The way in which they do things. You know, and we've already had the podcast about culture. Yeah. Um, and a really, you know, a kind of mistake. And I'm sure everybody can everybody can go back. I'm sure Andy, you can go back to your experience of this, and uh, Deborah can go back to her experience of this, where. You know, you go into a country thinking that, okay, uh, you know, you're you're just operating from your own uh, paradigm of, okay, this mm. is the way we do things. This is the, and, and then you've got this sudden shock, you know, like a sudden culture, you know, a culture shock moment, yeah. uh, or a moment where, oh, that's a bit surprising, or, or I didn't realize that, you know, things happen that way. So we have our own um, very uh, set ways of doing things, and I think I think have you have you guys come across the work of um, Geert Hofstede. Have you yeah, heard of Hofstede? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 you know, he's talking about um, cultural intelligence. Yeah. Right? So, you know, we've talked about um, EQ, IQ. The CQ is a really important thing to develop. And, 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 there's, and there's kind of um, 
sort of uh, five five things that he mentions, right? So one is cultures are in a, a individual or collective, right? You know, we come from, uh, you know, uh, quite, I think here, here um, uh, is is quite an individual society right. in, terms yeah. of, in terms of the way we do things. There, what, what I found working out in the uh, Middle East, right, it's more of a collective. Correct. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's more of the group that matters. So, so you know, that's how you've got to approach it in terms of, uh decision making and then and then also understanding like um the power distance right that's another mm. thing uh, uh Hofstede speaks about where yep. you know um and and what that means is 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 the power distributed equally or does you know you know or does one or or is there a or is there a decision maker that that holds the main power i i think the way we kind of operate here in in the west if you like western societies is 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 kind of um more democratic you know or uh, looking at whereas 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 there you know uh, over there in in the middle east i found you know there could just be uh one decision maker and he's the yeah. you know and he's the chief and he is the way that and, and everybody and he says this is the way we're doing it and 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 that's the way you go forward so you know understanding these sorts of things yeah um uh, and not being offended by it another classic one is like um you, you know masculinity versus femininity that's right, right. yeah and, and 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 where does uh what you know what what are the roles of uh male and female you know and and, and the mid yep. and in the middle east you know it is you know, you know traditionally in terms of in terms of business and things things are changing you know, are, yes Dubai especially is, um, you yeah. know, leading the way in so many things. Um, yeah. It's very, very innovative. But, you know, other uh, uh, other countries perhaps, you know, you wouldn't traditionally look at um, the main decision maker uh, be, be being a woman, for example. You know, and, yeah. and the key is about cultural intelligence with all these things is is if you are, if you've done your homework and your research and you've got that idea in your mind that things are going to be different, it's about developing that skill as you go and yeah. that awareness. Awareness is yeah. key for, for, for cultural intelligence. That, that's, that's fantastic. And thanks for bringing in that, uh, that amazing piece of theory, right? Because uh, that's, a, that's a whole other piece that I'm sure that many people at business schools are, are studying on a daily basis. And it remains a, a, a great piece of theory, that one. Mm -hmm. I, um, I just want to go back to uh, what we were talking about earlier, Debbie, uh, in terms of... Um, in terms of that communication and that different approach and you were talking about interestingly the different time zones and mm. i always think that the language is another thing that actually is a different approach for people and i worked with a company recently and they were looking at how their ceo gave updates to people in four different countries and mm. what they were talking about was that it, look we are working languages english okay there's no problem with that there's that, that that's accepted but what's really cool though is actually when we can communicate in a different language to people and what they did was they they took the time to create the ceo's message to publish it um on uh, on the hris on people first and uh, actually they could do that through a video but then what they could do is they could put the transcripts in different languages mm. and just even simple things like that that you can do for people and communicate and uh, share those messages into different communities. It's it's a really powerful thing for people. Very that, powerful, and, and it breaks down the barriers. That's that's one of the key things as, as well. And I saw Completely. that really recently. And I think, 
Yeah. Mm, I, I think you know, and and what you what you're talking about, and and this is this is something that I I think we've got a whole separate episode about is when we talk about inclusion and diversity and belonging, mm. yeah. you know, just getting the message that my leader cares enough about me to yeah. want to share the message in a language that that you know I'm more comfortable with. Um, yeah. So so it is, you know, and I mean, you work with a lot of global leaders and, and teams, Andy. So, yeah. I mean, you've communicated with a lot of people and, and yes, there are these small things and, and there's big things like you've mentioned, the corruption and the mm. just how things work that we don't know. So for you, I mean, like, what are some of the pitfalls that, you know, if you had to list them, yeah. that leaders really need to look out for when they're leading international teams? I, I I sit and wonder this quite often because each time I travel to a different country, you see something new, don't you? That's the point of travel. Yeah. You, you, you learn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Every time you get off that plane, even just walking through the airport, you already learn something about the, the country that you're in before yeah. you actually get to learn about the company that you're trying to put in there. So yeah. I, I learn something new every day about this. Um, I'm not going to give everybody a massive list. There's, there's a few... There's a few real pitfalls, though, that I always think about. And you guys have talked about them already. The first one's the obvious one, which is the culture, isn't it? It's about the way of working. We mm. talked about even the, the, the corruption, the bribes. It, I know, you know, the, it, sounds, it sounds awful, right, when you say the word bribe. But, but because in some cultures, actually, it's just so part of the norm that it, it's not seen as, as that, right? It's just seen mm -hmm. as like a, a charge that has to be paid. But, um, yeah. but that cultural aspect and... Mm. I remember my my uncle, uh, he was running a company uh, in Manchester in the early 80s, and he was very successful. He was doing really well. He, he used to pitch up at our house driving his brand new Porsche in 1982, 1983. Wow. And I was I was super impressed. OK, wow. and, and I remember him going out to Japan uh, in around about 83 or 84. And him and my auntie had been and attended these various different cultural lessons in the sort of six week wow. run up to going out there. And even part of the culture of taking um, his wife out with him was, again, part of what was required to even do business. So yeah. it was really intriguing to just even see that as a kid, OK, as a, as, as a young guy, seeing that and talking to them and hearing about what they were doing and why they were doing it, why they were having all these lessons. Mm -hmm. Even at that age, I thought, wow, you know, this is this is amazing. This is really different across a different side of the world. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that brings you on to the next thing, which is about one of the pitfalls is connections. And the reason that we talk, we've talked about your network being really important, right? We've talked about all the time. And that is incredibly important when you go somewhere new. What connections have you got? And what connections do you need to have that you need to actively go out and build? Yeah. And I, I asked guests on our podcast uh, I often ask the question do you actively build your network or do you passively build it and it, it's, a, it's a really interesting question for some people because some absolutely uh, uh, would say yeah active all the way all the way and for some it's the complete polar opposite it's like no I'm, I'm just going to sit back and see what happens and see who kind of comes to me but in order to go out somewhere new you've got to again figure out what are the connections that I need to have that I don't already have and if you don't do that, then again, you are already steps behind your competitors that are already mm. out. Um, mm. I'm not going to dwell on the info and the communications because I think we've talked about that enough, but I'm just going to highlight that is a massive thing. But the bit that I want to talk about that really is the biggest single pitfall that people get wrong on a daily basis 
is the relationship between the corporate offices and the local offices in country. Mm. Right. And that alone is, I, I think, trumps everything I've just said. Mm. OK, because if you've not got that right, everything else that flows from that is irrelevant. So mm. where you've got a corporate office in country A and in country B, C and D, you've got country managers running each of those uh, those country offices. If that relationship isn't isn't strong, isn't isn't natural, if, if it isn't just a really cool thing where people can pick up the phone and, and feel um, supported, looked after, wanted, valued, right from the immediacy of that phone call. And you talked about it, Deborah, in terms of that, we, if we're going to have a call at 10 o'clock, we're going to get on a call at 9.50 because we're going to talk for 10 minutes about our families. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, if, if, if you've not got that nailed down as to what that relationship is and to how it works and to what feed-ins that you require, you, you, you're going to struggle on everything else. And when I say struggle, you're probably going to be unsuccessful. Yeah, I think that also, you know, and, and such a powerful point that you highlight. And I mean, I've seen this working in multinational companies where I've actually seen, and, and this speaks to culture again, and it speaks to the importance of, especially when you're appointing a country manager, um, you know, again, we tend to go for the the technical skills. And, and that's a, a mistake that I think that we historically have just made is is we we hire people for their technical skills and we don't look at the you know the warm and the warm and fuzzy and the the culture stuff and and I have literally seen we work for the same company you know yeah. Yeah. but the the company that you work for in the UK is a completely different organization with a completely different culture to yeah. the version that I work for in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I have seen toxic environments, you know, yeah. and, and the problem again that you need to consider when you're expanding as a leader as well is understand that this impacts your employer brand. Yeah, if you're going to appoint me as your country leader, you know, Hiten is going to appoint me to, to run the show in South Africa and I'm a nightmare to work for, people are not going to say, you know, he tends, uh, you, know, you know, Deborah is a nightmare to work for. They're going to say he tends company is a terrible place to work yeah. because of their experience working with me and for me in yeah. this geographical location. So think about those things as well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hiten? No, I was just I was just going to say that I, I I am a believer that although although so far in you know we we've we've discussed differences and we've discussed um, you know uh, the ways in which cultures are 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 different and some of those challenges I, I am a believer though that some fundamental human universal human values yeah. are, are exist in terms of uh, doing business and who you recruit and who you send out and um, who you deal with. Um, and, uh, you, you, you know, I think, I, I think as human beings, we've got more in common than differences, actually. That's, that's, that's my belief. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, um, I, I really hope that we've given people a few things to think about. Um, I, and if people are leading those teams, then hopefully they can recap over what we've talked about and really challenge themselves, because that's what we want to do. But as always, we like to leave people with resources. Um, now I know that, international leadership leading international teams call it what you will is maybe it's a subdivision maybe it's just a, a strand of leadership in itself but um i'm going to open it up uh, hiten what resources have you got that you'd like to point people towards please 
Um, there's a there's a fantastic um, fantastic book. Uh, it's called Cultures Consequences. Cultures Consequences. Okay. Comparing values, behaviors, institutions, and organizations across nations. Uh, it's by oh. it's by by Geert Hofstede. So, but it's relatively. Yeah. I, and I know Hofstede's been in the been been in this field for for, for a very long time. But this is quite a recent book of his. Yeah. Um, that uh, is very interesting, and I think gives Fantastic. some great insight into this area. Yeah, I, I, listen, he's done some great work over the years. I, I love that mm. work. There's, there's some amazing stuff there. And uh, yeah, what a great pick. Anything else before I ask Deborah? Uh, no, that's that, that's it for me. That, that's wonderful. Thank you, Deborah. Um, I haven't got a specific like international kind of leadership yeah. thing, um, but th there's... I think with the rise of remote working, I've seen some amazing things, and and I'm quite a fan of the work that um, Kevin Eichenbury does. Is he's he's got he's written with um, his his partner Wayne Turmel, and they've actually got two books, and I, I like the approach that they've taken. Mm -hmm. The first one is called The Long Distance Leader. Yeah. Um, rules for remarkable remote leadership, and it's talking all about distributed teams and and not being in the same space. Um, and and that's very, very helpful. But then they've actually got an additional book called The Long Distance Teammate. Right. Stay engaged and connected while working anyway. Wonderful. And I, I like the two of them in tandem because it really looks at things, kind of gives you a, a 360 degree view of the experience from both sides. So, yeah. so those are the resources that I would recommend in this episode for sure. Like it. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh having a look at both of those I'm going to add to the list uh, it's not a, it's not a focus on international team okay, or leadership it's a focus on relationships and it's a book called touchpoint leadership creating collaborative energy across teams and organizations and what what it talks about is this assertion that relationships are the primary asset of a business and that for me was the bit that grabbed me about the book that um, mm. you know, from what I've just said about all of this, this thing of the, the relationship between corporate and the country offices, if you haven't got that, you haven't got anything. Okay. And I think that this book, um, it, it, it's a different book. Okay. Um, I've not read all of it. I'm happy to say that about the first half, but actually there's a, there's a great, um, there's a great kind of leadership paradigm that they, that they cover in there that, uh, I'm looking forward to finishing off the book and hopefully others can actually dig into that and see why I'm saying this thing about go back to relationships as a, as a starting point for working internationally, think about relationships because that alone is the bit that's going to make you successful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Business is all about relationships. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else after that is just, is just the operation of the business. It's, it's relationships all the way. Cool. Well, um, we're at the uh, we're at the end of our podcast, um, so I'm going to thank Deborah and Hiten for their wonderful contributions again. Uh, it's always a pleasure to work with you both. Um, but we're going to wrap up there, uh, and we're going to say we'll hopefully see all of our listeners on the next uh, episode of Leadership: The Future and Tea. So thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership: The Future and Tea. Please take time to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also leave us a comment with topics you would like to hear in the upcoming episodes.